You're listening to the Lord's Army Radio Dispatch. The Lord's Army Radio Dispatch is the audio branch of lordsarmy.org, a Christian training ministry. During this weekly podcast, you'll meet individuals on the front lines of battle with the world. You'll meet Christian leaders, pastors, and lay people, all of whom have been used to the glory of God. If you are a Christian, then we encourage you to become an active duty soldier and join the battle that's going on around you every single day. Come join the Lord's Army. Thank you for listening to the Lord's Army Radio Dispatch. This week we're talking about gospel heroes, or heroes of the faith. One of my favorite is what we're going to talk about today, somebody who you don't hear about all the time, and uh, this should be fairly new to at least most of you. But he is certainly qualifies as a hero of the Christian faith. And this is a topic, too, that we're continuing this discussion on our blog. And so if you're enjoying this episode, I encourage you to check that out as well at lordsarmy.org forward slash blog. So lordsarmy.org slash blog. You can find out sort of the companion piece to this, how you can be a gospel hero. So... This famous this there's this famous preacher right in a place called Houston Scotland so not Houston Texas but Houston Scotland and uh, he's pretty well known and he actually gets an invitation from D.L. Moody's church in Chicago to come out there and to speak and so of course he accepts uh, he is a wid- widower his name is John Harper and so his his wife died. Uh, you know, while I may have even been in childbirth, I think it actually was in childbirth, but I should have written that down. But anyway, he was a widower. He and a, his six-year-old daughter get on a boat and they head to America to for him to speak at the church. And at first, the chip, trip is great, right? Uh, he's he, this man is seen uh, witnessing to persons on board the boat. There's a lot of gambling and drinking on the boat, like there is on any cruise, you know, on any cruise ship or sailing. And so he spends uh, he spends a lot of his time during the day playing with his daughter and also a lot of his time witnessing to passerbys and to other people on the boat. And so one night on the trip, they go to bed. And uh, this night was April 14th, 1912. And if you haven't guessed it, that from that date, they are, of course, on board the Titanic. And so it's just after 11, right? He lays his six-year-old daughter down to, to sleep. She's been asleep for a while. Uh, but just after 11, she's already asleep. He's laying there doing his nightly devotions, and he feels the ship hit something. You know, boom. And uh, so after that, you know, the, a little while after that, the crew sound the alarm, and they call everybody up, de- up to deck. He puts on his life jacket, and he wraps his daughter and the blanket, because he knows it's going to be a cold night, and takes her up to deck. And as when, you know, when they get up there, women and children are being loaded onto the lifeboats. And of course, he makes sure that his daughter uh, is is put on a lifeboat as well. And so he hands his his daughter over to a crew member of a lifeboat, knowing that you know she's going to be an orphan now, and the sort of uh, hard life that comes with that. And so he says goodbye to his daughter, and that really begins what would be his last great evangelistic work. 
Uh, if you have heard about John Harper, you likely have heard about him. He's, he's often called the last hero of the Titanic. And it's because of his actions. So think about this. You're on a boat that is supposed to be unsinkable. And of course, we all know that you know anything that's on water can sink, right? And, and so, you know, we know that, that that's not true. But you're on this boat that's this magnificent, you know, thing, and, you, and you've been witnessing, you've been faithful, witnessing to others, and it's sinking. And so a lot of us at that point would, uh, you know, of course, be thinking about very little other than our own survival, but that is not where his mind goes. Instead, his mind goes to Christ in his moment of conflict, his mind goes to Christ. At one point, he takes off his life jacket and he gives it to another man, a man that ended up surviving. And he and he tells the man, "Don't worry about me. I don't need this life jacket. I'm not going to go down, but up." So he fully recognized that his death is not the end of him, and that he should do at this moment all he can to save. And so. To the fifteen, to the you know, so about fifteen hundred passengers jumped into the icy waters and were floating. And John Harper spent his last minutes. So, as the boat was sinking, there the band. Uh, some many a lot of people know this. The band continued to play right up until the boat actually sank, and they w- actually played on uh, you know a few rounds of uh, "Nearer My God to Thee." Uh, so nearer my God to thee is playing a violin on the background and the string quartet. And he is preaching and proclaiming the word to these people as the boat is sinking. And then once it sinks and there's 1500 people in the water, John Harper, John Harper is swimming from one passenger to another, personally pleading for them to accept Christ. Think about that. Only six of those 1,500 people floating there in the water were rescued. One of them was a man named Steve Crane. And here's what Steve Crane said. Uh, Steve Crane, by the way, is known to history as Harper's last convert. So a little gives you a little bit of an idea. Harper swims up to him and says, Are you saved? And Steve replied, No. And so Harper shouted out to him, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Cry out to him for your salvation. And then the current sort of separated the two men and then brought them back together again. And when they came back together, uh, Harper saw Steve and he said, Are you saved? And then he continued to plead with Steve to accept Jesus as his Savior. And Steve watched as this man pleaded with him and then slipped under the waves for the final time as he succumbed to hypothermia. This so moved Steve Crane. He was so touched by it that he right then and there gave his life to Christ and was born again that day forever onward. John Harper's final sermon I'm about to play for you. Uh, it's been re- it was obviously it's a recreation. Um, but uh, and thank you to Five Loaves and Two Fish on YouTube for this audio. But I'm about to play to you, to you this this sermon. It was recreated based off of uh, survivor uh, witnesses and surviving testimony. 
but it's a very powerful portrayal of the gospel, and it's something that I think uh, it's a message that we all need to hear. The scriptures declare that it is appointed for humans once to die, and after that the judgment. Every single man and woman has an appointment with death. From 67 AD, when this verse was written, until 1800, many generations of human beings were born, and not one of them is still alive today. Most of us have known others who have died. A grandparent, a parent, a spouse, or even a child. My own precious wife of only two years died shortly after giving birth to my precious daughter just six years ago. Humans die. But some of you have lived like you would never die. You've done everything you could to avoid giving even the slightest thought to your appointment with death. But alas, the time has come. You must give thought to it now. We were told that this great liner was unsinkable. When we got onto this ship, we entrusted our lives to it. Each of us put our faith in it. And up until the last couple of hours, we all felt completely safe. We took little or own notice of the fact that there weren't even enough lifeboats for the half of us. Indeed, even as our ship struck that iceberg, most of us were fast asleep in our cabins. Some of you were dreaming about a new life in the new world. But now we're very much awake. We have put our loved ones on the lifeboats. I myself put my six-year-old daughter Nina on lifeboat 11. And now the lifeboats have gone. There are only a few collapsible boats left. Soon this great ship, the Titanic, will plunge to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. In the next 20 minutes, most of us will find ourselves floating in the freezing cold waters, hoping desperately for rescue. Regrettably, there are no ships here to deliver us at present. Let us hope they come, but we must reckon with the likelihood that they will not. It is appointed for humans once to die, and after that, the judgment. You, unlike many others, have an opportunity to make last-minute preparations for your death and what happens thereafter. For that, we should be very grateful. Within the next hour or so, most of us will find ourselves dead and destined for a face-to-face -face encounter with God, our Creator and our Judge. Does that thought fill you with dread or joy? When you stand before Him, what verdict will He issue concerning you? What will your final destiny be? In our hearts we all know, don't we? We've so often been selfish and proud. We've made gods of ourselves rather than giving due honour and worship to the one true God. We put other things before God, our wealth, our talents, our pleasure, our family, our friends. The Apostle Paul wrote that all humans have done wrong and fall short of the required standard, and so stand guilty before God and condemned. Not one human in and of themselves meets the standard to secure a favourable verdict, from the divine judge. There is therefore no chance that we will be judged innocent. Truly God, if he's just and we know he is, will have no choice but to judge us guilty. 
But as dire as our plight is, there is a solution. And that is why I am here. Three times in my life now, when I was two, when I was 26, when I was 32, God rescued me from drowning. And I have no doubt that a major reason he did so was that he wanted me to speak with you his word tonight. Indeed, a dear friend of mine had a premonition that disaster would strike the Titanic on its maiden voyage, and he pled with me not to travel on it. He even offered to pay my ticket if I would only delay my trip. But I told him that I was not about to run away from danger, and that if disaster struck, I would be ready. And so I am. I firmly believe that God wanted me here to prepare you for your death and your judgment. The good news I bring to you is that God has done for you what you couldn't. He knew you could never in and of yourself meet the standard, but he sent his son Jesus to deliver us from a spiritual predicament. Jesus willingly came and he laid down his life for us on the cross. He took upon himself all of our guilt and our shame. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son. He did this so that any who put their trust in him wouldn't perish, but would enjoy true life now and forever. What amazing love! What sweet, consuming, constraining, heart-piercing love! Oh, how earnestly he yearns for your company! Did you hear what it said? Any who put their trust in him, any, that includes you, he loves you! No matter how sordid your life has been, no matter how self-righteous you've been, no matter how much you ignored him or even blasphemed him. The Apostle Peter proclaimed almost 1900 years ago, put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. The way of salvation has not changed. If you're to benefit from what Jesus did on the cross, if you're to receive the forgiveness he makes available, you must put your trust in him, completely in him, only in him. You need to bank 100% on Jesus and what he did to deliver you from your guilt. He loves you so much. And unlike this great liner, he's completely worthy of your trust. And if you do put your trust in Jesus, when you stand before God in just a little while, all you have to do is point to Jesus, because through his cross, he got rid of your wrongs and your guilt. Because of what he did, you can face the divine judge with confidence, knowing that he'll render you a favorable verdict and let you enjoy everlasting life. When Jesus rose from the dead, you see, it was a decisive proof that God accepted his sacrifice on behalf of every single person who trusts in him, and that he will render a favorable verdict at the final judgment. All God asks each of you is that you receive his free gift of deliverance. He's near, so very near that he can hear your inmost thoughts. So near that you can speak to him, express your sorrow to him for living independently of him, and put your faith in him. And if you do, as soon as your lungs inhale their final breath, and your heart ceases its beating, and you pass from this earthly realm, you'll find yourselves welcomed into his warm and loving presence to enjoy everlasting peace and joy in his company. 
The time is short. By all means, do everything you can to save your life and the lives of others. But for goodness sake, give first priority to your soul. It is appointed for humans once to die, and after that the judgment. But trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. It's that simple. If you invite him into your life, he'll hold your hand through whatever comes your way in the next hour, and you'll be able to sing quietly, perhaps even just silently, there in my Father's home, safe under arrest, there in my Saviour's love, perfectly blessed, age after age to be nearer my God to thee. It's impossible to hear that sermon and the power of those words and the power of the gospel proclaimed in those moments without taking a moment to think about just what it must have been like. Everyone around you is keenly made aware suddenly of their own mortality, of the fact that they only have minutes to live. And your job is to proclaim the gospel. Well, brothers and sisters, It's easy to think about your mentality when you're on a boat that's sinking. But the reality is, is that this world, this life, is fleeting. The passengers on board the Titanic, yes, we're going to die. But everyone is going to die. That's a reality that escapes no one. And so we should have that same sense of urgency for every day. You can be the next hero of the faith. Make your life one that glorifies God. Look for every opportunity to share the gospel, to love others, to labor for the kingdom. And again, we have some tips and some, some more information on this uh, sort of companion topic on the blog. So go to lordsarmy.org forward slash blog for that. But I want you to take a moment and to just think, yes, what John Harper did on board the Titanic was amazing. And he did so by the grace of God. And he did so to the glory of Christ, not to the glory of John Harper. He did so because he was concerned and because he cared about these people. Harper was not thinking, oh, I'll be remembered forever in history. He probably would be surprised to know that, that, <laughs> that anybody remembers him. He was concerned at that moment about glorifying God in that situation. We may not know that our death is imminent, as someone on a boat that's sinking is, but I can assure you it may be. And that's the reality for every single person out there. So let us, each one of us, remember that and do everything we can to labor for the glory of God. Go out there and do good. This concludes this particular dispatch from the front lines of the Lord's Army. If you want more information or content, 
like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Apply what you have learned in this episode. Remember, you do not become a great man or woman in Christ without taking action. One easy way you can help spread the gospel right now is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, just by liking us and leaving us a review, you can have a massive impact in how many people we reach. Go out there. Take action. Join the battle. Lordsarmy.org.